0: I remember getting tickets to The Force Awakens for opening day. I invited a longtime friend of mine to come with me. Then my wife found out I was going without her. She was incredulous. How could you not invite me? Star Wars wasn't her thing. In the years we'd been married up until this point, it had never been something she cared about. But for some reason, she was really getting into it and really wanted to go. So I got tickets for the midnight preview and took my wife to that. So I ended up seeing the movie on December 17th, December 18th, and then on December 20th, my daughter was born. These Star Wars movies just seemed to keep showing up at every critical juncture in my life. What gave me an overwhelming positive feeling about the movies was the return to practical effects. That was what I had seen as the biggest crime in the sequel trilogy was the reliance on CGI for almost everything. My positive feelings quickly left as J.J. Abrams decided to go lost on everything, introducing cryptic characters with no explanation, dropping hints that there might be maybe possibly something bigger, and then just Xing it all for a new big final Death Star. I'd heard rumors about Starkiller Base before the release, and I remember thinking, how could someone be so dumb to do a third Death Star? What made it more of a shameless pastiche of past movies? Was that the main character isn't even driven towards the ultimate defeat of Starkiller Base. It's not Ray's quest. It's kind of her side quest. Her real MacGuffin is to try and find her parents, but that continues to get derailed by everything. Unfortunately, this hodgepodge mashup of past Star Wars scenes would set the tone for the sequel trilogy.
1: <sighs> it could have been so good. I actually I actually really enjoyed this movie. And I think I still, I still do. Like I still enjoy watching The Force Awakens.
0: Yes. If I was going to introduce my kids to Star Wars, that would be the movie I would watch with them because it's still light and fun. It kind of captures what the original Star Wars was, but to my kids, it won't look like a really old movie, right? So it'll be able to keep their interest.
1: It looks good. It's fast. It's fun. It's interesting, but you get these mystery boxes, which I feel like is the conversation around anything that J.J. Abrams does, is what is it with these mystery boxes? And by doing that TED Talk, he like very openly showed to everybody what his strategy of storytelling is, is just to give more questions, which I get it, you want to keep people curious, but you don't want to make things seem important and then never give answers to them.
0: I will there's this author, his name's Raymond Chandler. He was a writer like in the nineteen thirties, fifties kind of thing. He was an oil executive, lost his job, decided to start writing short stories and screenplays. He wrote this one that's been adapted as a movie, it's called The Big Sleep, and it's like a hard boiled detective fiction novel. There's the first murder is like some cabbie they find dead in his cab, buried in a river or something like that. And it's never revisited or explained, ever. And everybody just is like, who killed that first guy that we found? And and what it is is that Raymond Chandler says, well, I actually compiled this novel from a bunch of other short stories I was writing. Mm. And that was something that accidentally got left in.
1: Oh, it was a mistake. It was, yeah,
0: editorial oversight. (laughs) <laughs> so in JJ Aver- like and that that has perpetuated questions for like years and years and years and everybody wondering about like who was this first body mm-hmm. because it, it's I think that's what the detective starts working on before he gets the case that he ends up working on and solving for the end of the movie. So he just forgets or, or a book he just
1: forgets the it, first yeah, he just
0: forgets about it and it's like everybody was asking questions and he's like, oh yeah, uh, I was I just kind of I had a bunch of short stories about this character and I just kind of rolled it all into one novel. And that was a loose end I forgot to resolve. And it's, oh, so you, you like, your la- editor was lazy. Yeah. And and that's when, so when J.J. J. Abrams is talking about his method of storytelling is raising more questions than answers, if you look at one of these first cases of somebody raising more questions, it's because of an editorial oversight. Lazy writing. I'm going to cannibalize my short stories into a novel so that I don't have to write a new novel. Like, that, it's not storytelling, it's just... Being shitty at your job, right,
1: right, JJ, and I, 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 think, I think JJ is a great director. I think everything he does, it looks good, it's well done, but he <laughs> needs to find somebody to help him write these things mm-hmm. because what is what is Snoke? What who are the Knights of Ren? Right, you're asking all these questions, and I think the worst part isn't even that JJ was posing these questions and creating these questions for us. It's that there is there. There's not even a hint. There's not even an idea. If you want to know the answers to these questions, you have to read the wiki page for the visual guide uh, first edition, not the second edition. Cause they took it out because it wasn't this and it wasn't that. And they changed it for the comics and they, Oh, it's different in the novelization. put it in the movie. People are watching the movie. If they want to read the novelization, good, good for them. But you're making a movie for the general audience. Give us something. And even if he asked these questions, I was excited by these questions because I thought, oh, the next two movies are going to answer these. N- no, they, they don't. Nothing. Yeah.
0: And when you when you base your storytelling method on on creating loose ends, well, when you're doing a trilogy – like to have a satisfying conclusion, you need to tie up the loose ends. So you need to keep track of all the loose ends you're creating, and make sure that they get tied up. Like I know, like one thing that just kind of jumps to my mind is that in a New Hope, they talk about the Clone Wars, but they don't get into the Clone Wars. But I think they explain the Clone Wars enough to where the audience isn't scratching their head, and and it's something in the past, right? And right. it just it's kind a, of
1: it's a backstory thing, yeah, right. It's like it's like if if I was having a conversation with my kid, which I, I don't have kids, but if I had a kid, and I, and I say, oh, well, that was during World War II. They know, okay, there was this big world war. Okay. They're not sitting there being like, okay, well, now you're going to have to show me every documentary ever made about World War II, and I'm going to have to read the biographies of everyone involved so that I can understand, blah, blah, blah. It's like, no, 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 no that that's a past event i'm giving you enough information to give you context for this situation but they don't they don't give us that information what i was saying to you before about how each each of the uh sequel trilogy movies can be summarized by one line from each of the movies maz Kanata in this one says a good story for another time. That's basically the whole movie. Everything is like, oh, this is really, really important information. It's not even like, here's the context. That was in the past. Not really important now. But just so you know, it's, it's like, what girl, right? Oh, ob- obviously she's important now, right? The Knights of Ren, even you, the master of the Knights of Ren, right? Obviously, they're really important. The First Order, what is this thing? Where did it come from? Even, you know, even though in the original trilogy, we start off with the Empire already existing, they give the backstory of how it came to be. Mm -hmm. The remnant of the old Republic is blah, 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 right? They reference that to make it clear. This is how it got there. These
0: things are in the past. So I guess like with my original thought, it would be more like if in the original trilogy, Luke is trying to fight in the Clone Wars. And the Clone Wars becomes a significant issue mm-hmm. and then he decides to find go with Obi Wan instead. And we never get mm-hmm. back to the original thing he was trying to do.
1: Right. That's it's like whatever whatever happened with that.
0: Yeah, that is the way this is written, right? Right. You kinda of get that sense with the academy. He's talk I I want to enroll in the the academy next year and you're kinda of like, What's this academy he's trying to get into?
1: Right, but, but it's also general enough and not important enough to him. Exactly. Obviously, because he's still staying on the moisture farm. Yeah. And yeah, but then, but then with this, and I want to be really clear, I actually really enjoy The Force Awakens. I, I do like it. Mm-hmm. And I, I think it, it set up a lot of great potential for the, the sequel trilogy. Uh, I think the greatest failing of The Force Awakens is what comes after The Force Awakens, eight and nine, both of them. I think that's the greatest failure uh, of, of this movie because it set up a bunch of stuff that never paid off.
0: I thought the same thing when I the first couple times I watched it. And even now, if I watched it, I might, on first glance, think this is a light and easy action movie. But there was a quote from a critic that changed my perception on, these, on the sequel, and it was that these movies do not have an artistic reason to justify their existence. Mm. It is like a fan movie made with a big budget. It's, he's not telling a story really. He's not, there's no artistic expression here. He's like, how can I appeal to old fans and new fans without getting crucified online?
1: Right. They're not, he, nobody, nobody making this is coming out thinking I have a star Wars story to tell. Mm -hmm. You get that in the expanded universe with the novels and everything, those authors thought, I have a story that would fit in the Star Wars universe. This would be really interesting. And that's why they created those. Whereas this was, okay, we own this IP now. Now we need to do something with it. How it's do like, we
0: milk this fat teat? We paid $4 billion right. for it. What's our payback?
1: Right. And that's why, that's why I think that the best Disney Star Wars movies are the spinoffs. Because... Somebody said, "I'd like to tell this story." Yeah, for sure. They they weren't thinking. Okay, now we have to continue the saga. It was. I have an interesting story to tell. Wouldn't it be interesting if we explored this? the The sequel trilogy seems to be. I'm not in the mind of everybody who created it, but it seems to be devoid of that.
0: You really seem like you want to play diplomatic on this one, like just in case well, JJ it's, Abrams is listening. <laughs> No,
1: <laughs> he is listening. JJ and I go all the way back. Yeah. No, but I, I do think it's really important to appreciate the effort that people went through, right? Like the people who did this are good at their job. Mm-hmm. There's great cinematog- cinematographers. There's great, you know, uh, focus pullers and actors and costume designers. There are a ton of people who did a really great job on this film mm-hmm. and, and do great work on other films. The problem is not with them. I think it's with the intent, the artistic intent behind it. Right for for the people working on it, they loved it. They care about it. They love Star Wars, but it wasn't their it wasn't their creative baby. JJ might love Star Wars, but he has a lot of other projects. He does. He has a lot of other projects. He does really well.
0: I'd like you to name
1: one. Uh, Star Trek two thousand nine that i I love that one. like
0: that's an acceptable Star Trek entry, but if you look at the rest of his filmography, it's like it seems like this guy just gets high with Damon Lindelof and tries to ruin people r- ruin people's <laughs>
1: lives <laughs> i I do think i I do think his writing needs work.
0: Like everybody loves him because he saved Mission Impossible with Mission Impossible Three. They're like, oh my God, he resurrected the the franchise, but then even like, Star Trek into Darkness. Not, yeah. And then not uh, my favorite. And then Force Awakens, then Rise of Skywalker. So he's
1: Well, I th- I honest, think it's
0: like Star Trek 2009, he just got really lucky casting Chris Pine.
1: Well, and everybody else, the whole cast was amazing. But I think I think maybe I don't know, a lot of it is like he runs on nostalgia, right? You see that in Super 8.
0: Yeah, like I can't. I haven't even watched Super Eight because it's like. Let me tell you about how I was a boy and loved Steven Spielberg movies.
1: That's basically what it is. Yeah, pass. Right. pass. I, I I enjoyed watching it. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen it since. I enjoyed it. Yeah. But it wasn't you know overly memorable, and I think that's the thing. Is is JJ you know makes the stuff he's really good at seeing what people want people wanted the force awakens i think people wanted that return yeah. of the practical effects and of the feelings they felt when they watched the original trilogy as kids and do you know right
0: I, yeah i will say like with the exception of star killer base yeah that was dumb that was like i think everything else in this movie he gave people what they wanted right he did deliver on fan expectations in this one
1: yeah and and i i think i think the sequels to it eight and nine that's where it could have gone somewhere really great but we never got answers to any of those questions even though jj did episode nine we still missed out you know he i guess he kind of he he answered ray's lineage oh she's a palpatine that's it they're like you know uh okay co- cool i i guess but you didn't there there wasn't much of that especially given episode eight and then uh, the First Order, there wasn't really anything explained about that still. The Knights of Ren, they just finally showed up again in episode nine, completely out of episode eight. And then uh, Snoke is just a pickled clone of Palpatine, apparently. Yeah. I mean- which I can get behind. I can get behind the, the cloning stuff because that's in Star Wars. Uh, Palpatine had his, his backup cloning plan, blah, blah, blah. But they're wasn't anything to give us that the whole trilogy is just disjointed All right, well
0: guess what like you look at this guy how, how many stories in three parts is he told he's just a guy with a squished up face who knows how to mine nostalgia and leave a bunch of loose ends this seems like the perfect guy who can close out a three-piece suite of a cherished pop culture icon everything about this makes sense like I'd really like to pick Kathleen Kennedy's brain for like what what like when you put together the job description for this what were you looking for and how the f was it this guy?
1: Well, JJ's never finished something. Exactly. He he's not good at writing the end of a story. Yes. And I I think that's the hardest part of writing a story. But he doesn't know how to but, set up. He doesn't know how to set it's... up a
0: three-part story because he's just like making loose ends like like he's a uh, like he's shredding his mom's uh linen cut <laughs> cabinet covered right like holy so it's like like when i hire for position it's like uh find somebody who's got comparable experience doing the exact same thing that i need them to do so if i need somebody to helm like who because you know like for all the weaknesses of the prequels it is a three-piece story.
1: Right. It is. They're telling one story.
0: <laughs> and it wraps itself up at the end. This, it's like, oh my God, I've got this force vision in a cave with a little girl being grabbed, but then she's on a rainy planet. Somebody's getting stabbed with a lightsaber, but we don't know who's right. holding the red lightsaber, stabbing what looks like a Knight of Ren. And then all the other Knights of Ren are standing around. And then uh, the, the voice of Ewan McGregor
1: and Alec Guinness comes through somehow. Like, it, it doesn't make any sense.
0: So then now that we've beaten the death out of the, the middle of the shit sandwich, what where where's our bread slices? What's the nice things you'd say about this movie?
1: It's fun. And I yeah. think we, we've said that already. Like, it is a lot of fun. <laughs> I went and saw this movie yeah. more times. I, I don't think there is any other movie that I've seen more than once in the theaters. I saw this five times in the theaters, and I loved it every single time. I took my girlfriend at the time... And she wanted to go back to. She was never big into Star Wars, but she was like, "Yeah, let's go again." I loved it. It was tons of fun. Uh, it was it was interesting the the way they put it together. This return to practical effects, right? The costumes were cool. Mm-hmm. Even even the characters. Even though, yeah, later on it becomes apparent. Later on, it becomes apparent that Ray is very much a, a Mary Sue. I I still enjoyed her. And I thought, you know, maybe she had some training already beforehand, before she got left on Jakku. What do you mean by maybe a Mary she had Sue?
0: Some... Sorry to jump in there, but when you say yeah. she's very much a Mary Sue, what do you mean by that?
1: I just mean just good at everything, no flaws. She's just kind of, everything comes naturally to her. You know, she can fly the Falcon just because, uh, stuff like that. You know, but I still really enjoyed her. And I thought that there could be some good explanations for why she's so proficient other than just, oh, she's a Palpatine, right? Because even Palpatine, Palpatine spent decades training and learning and studying these things. It's not magic, it's the Force. (laughs) I Like, one
0: thing that really, like, what the first movie's driving home at is that Han and Leia had a love child, like, after they split up or something, right? That they had another kid and this is that other kid. Yeah. They do a lot to point to that, but then they also start doing things to point away from it, like the family you're looking for is isn't the family that's in front of you kind of yeah right so maz katana as much as like because who maz says to han solo who's the girl and then he's like i'll explain or something like that and then it cuts to black right or does it right. wipe yeah so there's a bunch of like so han solo knows something about this girl everybody knows something about this person Except for her. Except for her. And it seems like Han Solo and Leia really know who she is. And she's natural with the Force, so it makes sense that she's their hidden child. And after Kylo Ren went crazy, they hid her or something like that or something, right? Or Luke warned them to hide or Like, for some reason, they hid. There were loyalists who came after uh, their first child, so their second child they wanted to hide. And this is who you are or something like that. I don't know.
1: But yeah, it's never explained properly. They never they never do anything with that, even later on, even when you find out she is a Palpatine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so that that's disappointing. But I thought Finn was cool. That was a cool opportunity. Yeah. To to nuance a little bit of the stormtroopers of their what life you see situation.
0: The, what did you see as the nuance? Just getting inside the head of a stormtrooper that not every stormtrooper wants to follow orders or Yeah. Right.
1: Yeah. Where it's like, oh, this is another person, but then he becomes a janitor for some reason. You know, when they're around Starkiller Base, he was like a janitor there, and that's how he knew his way around. were well, worked and then, at janitorial, right? Yeah, yeah. And then he, uh, and then he's like taking pleasure in killing other stormtroopers, and it's like they they lose that nuance a little bit. Poe was cool. Somehow he survives. That's kind of the same thing. <laughs> like somehow Poe returned. What do you mean? In the Because uh, they crashed the TIE fighter on Jakku. Oh,
0: right, right, yeah.
1: He but mistur- Poe ejected, apparently, right, right. or something. Right. I,
0: like, there's a lot of... When we talk about the things that are fun, like, one thing that's particularly fun with Poe Dameron is that first attack on Jakku, and Kylo Ren comes off, and he is, like, the reborn Darth Vader. And it's not just that, like, he's big, and he's physically imposing, he's got a mask, and he's got a deep voice, and you're like, oh, shit, we better listen to this guy. He looks serious, and then they... They catch Poe and they've got all the village prisoner and then Poe's like, Do I talk first? You talk first? I talk first? Who you know, right. and, it, and it, you're just laughing, and then yeah. he's like, It's hard to understand you because there's so much apparatus <laughs> and
1: you like, Right, right,
0: right. Right. And that was what Han Solo, I think, brought to the original trilogy was he was it was a very, very serious world, and then you've got Joe Sixpack who's just like talking like a regular person. Like there's this one thing he says in empire strikes back that stood out to me when i was a kid is he said when he goes out looking for luke skywalker and and some guy's like you're gonna freeze to death out there and he says well i'll see you in hell and i remember thinking as a kid i'm like these people in a galaxy far far away they don't believe in the same hell that i believe in why is he saying see you in hell but he's just like this slice of reality right in the middle where it's like we're not going to feel like this is a galaxy too far away,
1: right? 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 right. He kind of brings it back, yeah. And I think I think Oscar Isaac did a good job of that as as Poe. I think great cast, great characters. I just I just think it fell apart sadly. But I I I liked all of them. Mm-hmm. I thought it was fun. I even loved BB-8. Like I thought that was a fun new little droid who brought some levity to the show.
0: Yeah. As the like as yeah. the droids always have, I think like that Star Wars battle on Star or sorry that lightsaber battle on Starkiller Base. Mm-hmm. What do you think about that?
1: I I thought it was interesting, but then the way I don't know the the way Ray was like magically better. Mm-hmm. That was the that was the only thing that I wasn't sure about. Mm-hmm. I did enjoy Finn trying to go yes. at it. Yeah, like I thought that was awesome.
0: Finn's the most interesting character he's the main character i wish he would have been the main character because even like when he has his showdown with uh with chrome dome in the next movie that's the only fight where i'm like oh shit like it's going down between two people that i actually think like the stakes of he's the oppressed child soldier she's his taskmaster we don't even need to see them hating each other to know that they hate each other so when they get together it's like oh yeah right
1: yeah like yeah
0: he, he was a much more interesting character throughout the whole movie.
1: Yeah, he's he's definitely the 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 character they give the most depth to, mm-hmm. but then they don't do as much with it. Yeah, Poe is this great pilot, super cool, you know, great, but he doesn't have that much character depth. And Ray feels like she already had her character arc. She doesn't even. They, I feel like, throughout the trilogy, they try and give her a bit of a an arc where she realizes you know her lineage isn't everything but i i just i don't know i feel like it wasn't very well executed
0: do you know now that i'm think, like i'm jogging my memory now and even thinking back to the trailer because the trailer starts out with uh it's a bit slow and snoke says there's been an awakening but then all of a sudden it it does the opening theme and you got the millennium falcon flying around on Jakku, flying through the wreckage of old Star Destroyers, and it's like, oh my gosh, this is going to be amazing, right? And then even I would say that first, like, other than Ray being annoying, being a Mary Sue about it, flying the Millennium Falcon through the wreckage of Star Destroyers on Jakku was awesome.
1: Yeah, no, w- watching the trailer, you feel like, I'm ready for this like it, it, you know it's coming we're we're getting more star wars and this is going to be it and there's a bunch of this scenes going to be amazing
0: there's a bunch of scenes of John Boyega in the trailer isn't there cuz when he says there's been a yeah, way he awakening, pops up right he it. takes off his helmet and you see him holding the lightsaber mm-hmm. and it's like we're going to get i don't really care that this guy's black i just uh, it's cool that there's something new going on right and we can learn about a stormtrooper becomes a jedi oh my gosh Nope. Nope. We're going back to, like, a little Mary Sue, you know, but at least she's a woman, so it's not, like, totally, you know, white, patriarchal, whatever. Um, (laughs) But
1: It's, it's the same problem that we've talked about with a bunch of the other Star Wars movies is there's all this potential here. It could have been so, so good, but it just didn't. It didn't stick the landing, and one thing, one big bone I have to pick is like, what's the New Republic?
0: We never see it, right?
1: The, there's the First Order and the New Republic, and then there's the Resistance against the First Order, but they're not funded by the New Republic. Maybe, maybe they are a little. I don't like that. Wasn't really. Why clear. does the New Republic need a
0: resistance? Why don't they have?
1: And then, well, and then they blow up the whole Hosnian system. Mm-hmm the home of the new Republic, mm-hmm. but we don't feel that. It's like, oh, oh darn. There goes billions of people. Wow. So sad. Well, you know, like, but,
0: you would have felt the know, same when they blew up Alderaan, right? You're like, oh.
1: Right. You're like, okay, I didn't know that But planet. this time they
0: show people on the planet and you're like, oh, these feel like they should be characters in this movie.
1: Right. Right. And it's in but, a deleted scene, but. So in, in episode four, Yes, they blow up Alderaan, but you have Leia, mm-hmm. who's—it's her home planet, and you know that there is there is that suffering there, right? You actually see somebody who cares about it. Whereas when the Hosnian system goes to dust, they're like, "Oh, uh, yep, there, it, there it went," I guess.
0: Yeah, you were supposed to have a personal tie because there's a deleted scene where you see that person that Leia sends to. The New Republic to ask for help. You're supposed to see her have a relationship with Leia, so that when you see her standing on the balcony about to blow up, you're you feel something. But they just thought, why don't we just cut that out? Because then it creates more loose ends.
1: But but even then, it'd be it'd be like it it would be because it's just one character from one little tiny scene, right? It'd be like if you saw Watto on a planet that was about to be destroyed, and you're like, oh, I sure loved Watto, like. I'm so, so sad that that nasty, flying, gross-bearded guy is dead, and the rest of his, you know, you don't feel it.
0: Do you think it was intention, this is, I'm jumping right out to left field here, but do you think it was intentional symbolism to start out the movie with a person scavenging the remains of ships from a former trilogy? to make ends meet (laughs) do you think they did that on purpose because just talking now i'm like oh they started out with her scavenging the remnants of better movies (laughs) to subsist on
1: i i like your interpretation i i I think uh i think the metaphor is there but it wasn't about the movies it was about the empire it was about the you know the the past but no I, i i like your interpretation of that much better Thank you. I think,
0: yeah, I think maybe he's just working under so much pressure, and he hates Kathleen Kennedy, and he's like, "I'm going to throw in this tongue-in-cheek reference of just how I am, yeah, scavenging like, the remains like, of George Lucas."
1: You know, something I always admire about you, Andrew, is the amount of projection and metaphor you uh, you bring to any conversation.
0: I don't know what I'm projecting. You're, but...
1: <laughs> I I don't I don't know. You must feel something deep inside about scavenging the past to to build up your present into into something meaningful. That's that's what I, I'm going with. I
0: just think that flows from the conversation we've had about these movies of just like mining the corpses of George Lucas's past work to get a paycheck.
1: I I mean, and that's what we're doing here. So yes, you can donate true. to the podcast <laughs> that uh Actually, no, if you do want more from us, you should go check out, I Promise the Clone Wars is awesome. That's the other show Andrew and I are doing uh, where where we really hash it out. We we fight it out. We watch the Clone Wars TV shows uh, arc by arc and we're watching a modified uh, series of it. We, we cut out a lot of the stuff so we can get through it and you can get through it with us. So that's, I Promise the Clone Wars is awesome wherever you get your podcast. There's a... There's my plug. How was that, Andrew?
0: That was great. Okay, so anything else to say about this movie? I feel like uh, yeah, I'm, I, yeah. I'm satisfied. Y-
1: yeah. No, I, I I feel good. It's just uh, mystery box after mystery box. And uh, I, I think gave the trilogy great potential, and it's just disappointing that uh, n- nothing really ever paid off. Mm-hmm. And if it did, it didn't earn it.
0: Mm-hmm. That's what happens when you open a trilogy with a bunch of too many loose ends to even close off, right?
1: I, I think they could have done it. I thought it, I really, really think it could have been fantastic.
0: the the, pro, the whole problem was the Last Jedi, right? Is that the Force Awakens? Or sorry, Rise of Skywalker is supposed to be two movies. You can tell that, right? Oh yeah. And the first movie is Luke and Ray trying to find Horcruxes. Like, all these pieces of Sith technology to find the treasure map to get to, mm-hmm. you know, resurrected Voldemort. And then the second movie is, like, going to Exegol and Luke dies. You know, Luke dies at the end. He has a showdown with Kylo Ren while they're mining the Death Star or something like that for for Horcruxes. Right. And the <laughs> Then, because this movie, like, devolved into Harry Potter, which is fine, because, like, George Lucas ripped off Flash Gordon and a bunch of other stuff to make his movies. Yeah, movie. yeah. So yeah. Everything's a remix. Yeah. So, and then and then the next movie's just, like, uh, hunting around, trying to get to Exegol, having the final battle. And that would have been great, because then there would have been a personal stake between uh, Kylo Ren and uh, Ray because, oh, Kylo Ren killed... Han Solo, who is my potential father figure, now the father figure I've actually had for the last movie, he's also killed, and -hmm. he's ruined everything in my life, and I'm going to kill him Mm -hmm. instead of I'm going to save him.
1: It's hard to talk about these movies outside of the context of the rest of the the trilogy, but as a standalone thing, I, I enjoyed it. Just clip some of the loose ends, and it's a great film, but within the context of the rest of the trilogy just too bad but yeah Uh, anything else
0: nope that's all why don't you close us out
1: i was thrilled to see another star wars movie was on its way this would be my very first time seeing a star wars movie in theaters conveniently my best friend spencer decided to celebrate his birthday by going to see the movie with all of his friends myself included this would be the saturday night showing My dad was also planning to see the film for his birthday later that week. This would be the following Tuesday. I told both Spencer and my dad that I was so stoked to see this new Star Wars movie for the first time with them. But it was really only going to be the first time with Spencer. But then, Friday night, I was hanging out with my buddy Caleb. He mentioned that his mom's work had rented the entire theater for employees and their families, and I was invited. Now, that's a good benefits package. Here's the problem, though. This showing was Saturday morning, so now I'd be seeing The Force Awakens Saturday morning with Caleb, Saturday evening with Spencer, and Tuesday with my dad. All three times for the first time. And I loved it every time.